0: Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Big happenings for the Big Blue Boy Scout. It's episode 476 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and no interviews this week. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world of Superman, and I wanted to definitely put a spotlight on that. Yes, we know who's going to be playing Superman and Lois Lane in Superman Legacy. I'm sure you know the names. I'll get into that here a little bit later on. And yeah, we had the finale of Superman and Lois' third season. Going to review that. Going to review My Adventures with Superman, which is the animated series that's going to be coming to Adult Swim and on the Mac streaming service as well. So I will give you an early review of that. So yeah, a lot of Superman news to talk about. This week, and plenty of other reviews to talk about as well. Apple TV Plus' new series, Hijack. I want to talk about that with Idris Elba. I also want to talk about the premiere of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan's fourth and final season that's happening on Prime Video right now. Plus, DC's back at Comic-Con. I'll give you my opinion on that. A flat piece of Flash news that you might have missed, and a little bit of a Tomb Raider update as well. So it's going to be a fun show, a lot to talk about Very Superman heavy, so if you're a Superman fan, you should be really excited for what's coming. And let's get into it. My spoiler-filled review of the Superman and Lois Season 3 finale starts us off next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: Hey guys, this is Wole Parks from Superman and Lois, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast with James Willard.
0: Since there's so much Superman going on this week, why not make it the theme of the show? And I want to start out with my review of the Superman and Lois Season three finale spoilers ahead because yeah the show came out several days ago and I definitely wanted to talk about this finale for plenty of reasons but I do want to start out by saying this since talking about Superman this week and that is that you know Henry Cavill gets so much love for playing Superman not not when he first started by the way I want I want to point that out there's some revisionist history here was that you know there wasn't a ton of praise for Henry early on and you didn't come to appreciate Henry Cavill's performance as Superman until much later on. I appreciated it more on the, in the beginning. Maybe I'm in the minority there. I don't know, but it just seems like there's more appreciation for him now than there should have been back then. And I think that's happening here as well because Tyler Hecklin, who plays Superman, Clark Kent on Superman and Lois, I feel like certainly earns praise for his portrayal, but I don't think earns enough praise because he's being asked to not only play the best Superman possible, but the best Clark Kent possible. He's had to do so much heavy lifting in both of these roles. No pun intended, by the way, which is strange for me. But nobody's been asked to play that duality this much in a long time. Now, we've seen, we saw Henry Cavill as Clark Kent. We've seen other Superman characters as Clark Kent as well. But that's through the course of a movie. We, haven't, we only saw Clark Kent really in Man of Steel, as far as the, as far as the big screen is concerned recently. And we've also seen, also, you know, Brandon Routh, when he played Superman and so on and so forth, we saw those Clark Kent's, the only one that's played Clark Kent as much as Tyler Hecklin has really, maybe Christopher Reeve or maybe Dean Kane. but I'm going to say Christopher Reeve anyway. And no, I don't count Smallville because that's younger Clark. And that, that just, that does not count for this particular conversation, but Tyler doesn't get enough credit for how good he's done with Clark Kent, the character, Clark Kent, the dad, Clark Kent, the husband, and playing a fantastic and strong Superman at the same time. So I think that 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 just needs to be said before we can even go further with this at all, especially when talking about this episode, because this ties up a lot of loose ends and actually, you know, neatly kind of ties things into a bow for coming up next season. But We see the culmination of a lot of different storylines here. And it seems like this is going to be a time of celebration for Smallville. Turns out to not be really quickly. And that's because of Lex Luthor. And Luthor, you know, gave his warning. He definitely gave his warning and said, Hey, here's your chance. I'm coming for you. And this is when he starts coming for basically everyone at the same time. Lois Lane and Superman at the same time. But here's the deal. The, The scenes between Luthor... And Bizarro, and I'm going to call him Bizarro for now, where he's powering him up by killing him. is just freaking brutal, and really sets up just how much of a different Lex Luthor Michael Cudlitz is going to be than John Cryer ever was on this show. I want to say that, and well, not necessarily on this show, but with this Superman, we we and and with with Kara. So we, I just want to set that up right now, is that he is going to be a brutal Lex Luthor for next season. And it's really interesting how that whole thing just sort of happened, right? How he kind of sort of takes control after being in prison for so long. It's like he's been a caged animal, and that makes him even more dangerous than he would have been otherwise. And you see that, you know, Clark is distracted, and so is Lois. With everything that's been going on in their family lately, you can understand that, not just with Lois's cancer, but with, with Jordan's troubles, And, you know, Jonathan trying to figure out how he's fitting in to the town and into the mix as well. There's been so many distractions, it's hard to kind of keep your eye on everything, especially after dealing with stuff with Bruno Mannheim. So when this whole thing comes crashing down on them, it's kind of sudden in a weird way. But we also get to see, you know, everything is kind of right with the Kent family now. They kind of made their peace with Jordan and his powers and everything. It seems like. He's set on the right path. We see Jordan and Sarah kind of make up a little bit there, which is nice. You see Lois kind of starting to become comfortable again being herself. Not that she ever wasn't comfortable being herself, but we really see the Lois Lane pre-cancer kind of come out in this episode for sure. And you also get to see, you know, the protective mom come out at the end as well. And the, and the, and the wife that, you know, all the focus is on, are we going to lose Lois and then all of a sudden, just it gets violently shifted to, oh my God, we could lose Clark, right? And that, and that, I think, after everything that Lois went through, you saw Bitsy Tulloch's performance there, Elizabeth Tulloch, and that was just incredible, that performance there at the end. But I do also want to talk about that fight, because what we ended up with was Doomsday. So we sort of morphed Bizarro into Doomsday, which I don't hate. I actually, I, I, I like that they kind of went that way with it. And boy, was this a knockdown drag out just across multiple, multiple settings. And ending about the freaking moon, which I thought was pretty cool. And then we're trying to figure out now, are we setting up for Death of Superman? Are we setting up for that storyline in season four? And if and if this is how this show's going to go out in season four with the short in the fourth season, you know, maybe this is the way to go out. Did you also notice how... This finale sort of neatly wrote out a lot of these characters. You see, John Henry and his daughter might have to move to Metropolis now. You see what happens with with Lois's dad, with 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 him getting kidnapped and everything. So that writes him out. You know, you write Sarah out by saying, Heron Jordan, you know, maybe we shouldn't be friends right now." So you sort of write her out, and so on and so forth, right? So the first thought was, well, then, you know, the cats are just going to move back to Metropolis and that's how you write these characters out of the show as regulars. Well, not necessarily because you're giving everybody a certain excuse to not be around as much as they were previously. So I thought that was interesting. Maybe the fact that obviously these episodes were filmed way in advance. So maybe they kind of knew way before we did what was going to be going on for, for an upcoming fourth season. And this was not really a surprise to anybody involved. But again, just solid storytelling, not just in this finale, but throughout the entire season of Superman and Lois. And this show has built up that level of consistency since its inception, telling so many great stories, having so many wonderful character moments, whether it's stuff that you're happy about or not. You know, that's what this show kind of does. It's it's kind of like, remember when The Flash first started, this was something The Flash did very well. It's in the early going was being able to tell the hero stories but the personal stories just as well to balance each other out. That's what Superman Lois is doing this season and created a level of depth that I don't think we were ready for coming up this season either. So and and it feels like you know with with the big casting change they had in the Kent family there they didn't miss a beat at all with that. If anything they had a, a, a more of a stronger season than I even expected. It was just so wonderfully casted, so brilliant, brilliantly done story-wise. The writers deserve a lot of credit for that. That it's going to be sad to see this have a shortened season for season four, especially given what we've set up, not just with the whole Doomsday thing, but with Lex Luthor as well. And it's not just going to be Superman versus Luthor. It's Lois Lane versus Luthor as well. Actually, maybe the entire Kent family versus Luthor. So Superman and Lois, bravo for once again, proving that you are the gold standard for Superman on television and for Lois Lane on television as well. That's going to do it for my spoiler filled review of the season three finale of Superman and Lois. But there's another Superman and Lois that I want to talk about. My adventures with Superman going to be premiering here in a few days and I will talk about that spoiler free next. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is voice actor Roger Craig Smith, and you guys are listening, you lucky people, to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. And we're back. Set yourself a midnight deadline at the Daily Planet, because midnight on July the 6th is when Superman, My Adventures with Superman premieres on Adult Swim. It'll be next day on Max as well. And I want to give you my spoiler-free review of these first couple of episodes since I got to see it a little bit early. And I got to say, you want to talk about a fun Superman story, or at least Clark Kent and Lois Lane story. This is the kind of thing that is going to be very, very different from what we're used to and something that's just, it is what it is. I will set you up for that right now. This is a show that is just going to be a good time. Now, does it also have a good story? Yeah, it does. Is it a little bit over the top at times? Absolutely. And I love that for it. Is it over, I don't want you to think that it's overly adult, at least not in its first couple of episodes. Anyway, just because it's going to be on Adult Swim at midnight doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get the full Adult Swim treatment of being super adult. I don't want you to get that impression at all. What this is, is it is, 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 is a fun, fun show where it's, where it's a very young Clark Kent just starting as an intern at the Daily Planet. Even Lois Lane's still an intern at the Daily Planet as well. And you've got Jimmy Olsen, who already knows Clark. And you get to see that first meeting between Clark and Lois Lane. You get to see that first meeting with Jimmy as well. And you get to see how Perry White kind of treats them at the Planet and things like that. So it's just really, really fun to be able to see this. And this midnight premiere, and by the way, it's going to start airing Fridays at 7 o'clock Eastern Time and Pacific on Adult Swim and Saturdays at midnight on Toonami after this premiere. So just go ahead and keep that in mind as you're planning your, your My Adventures with Superman viewing. But I got to say, Jimmy Olsen, love Ishmael Saeed's performance as Jimmy Olsen. He is just so fun and over the top. And I love that about him. I love the the, the kind of shyness that Jack Wade brings to the Clark Kent character in this, you know, kind of unsure nature of him, I it just really, really was wonderful. And the energy, the sheer force of energy that Alice Lee brings to Lois Lane. This you've seen the aggressive Lois Lane before. You've seen the doesn't take no for an answer Lois Lane. You're gonna get that, but with a very, very different delivery, and it's almost a refreshing delivery. and And imagine what a young intern Lois Lane would be like, and that's not necessarily something that we've seen. We usually see Lois Lane as the staunch award-winning reporter in everything that we've ever seen of her. Well, what was it like when Lois was an intern? And what if Lois met Clark when they were both interns at the Daily Planet? It's kind of almost a little bit of a what-if story in that regard. And what if they were all proving themselves at the same time, throw Jimmy Olsen in there as well? What if they were all proving themselves at the first time? What would that look like? And that's part of what this show does really, really well. And also this is, you know, Clark trying to figure out who he is as Superman as well. It's called My Adventures with Superman for a reason. I'm just gonna throw that out there right now. But there's some good action in these first couple of episodes in the whole season, by the way. It's true, but too, but the, the first couple of episodes especially, there's definitely some good action. Action there, but what what there, what there's more of is there's some great great fun, some moments that are going to make you smile. They even throw you know you know some heart in there as well, so it's not just all fun and games either. And there's there's a little bit of seriousness to, to this as well, but not too much. But you can tell that this is a show that actually is going out of its way to not take itself too seriously, and I think that that's that's an amazing. Thing that it's doing, it's it's okay to just have fun sometimes, and that's exactly what my adventures with Superman is doing. So whether you're watching this on Adult Swim, Toonami, or, or on the Max streaming service, I think you're really going to enjoy my adventures with Superman because it, it's 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 not overly complicated. It's not something that's trying to be something that it's not. It's 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 breaking new ground, but in a fun. An exciting way and I cannot wait to see more of this series I hope this is one that runs for a long long time that's going to do for my early review of my adventures with superman from adult swim and max and warner brothers animation of course up next going to talk about a new apple tv plus series that just premiered have you seen hijack yet I'll talk about it next on the down and nerdy podcast as
1: a podcast network our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you This is Christine Adams from
0: Black Lightning, and you're listening to the Down a 30 Podcast. Making sure our seatbacks and trays are in the upright and locked position because we are in for a ride on Apple TV+. Plus. Hijack has premiered now. First couple of episodes are out on Apple TV+, Plus. the series starring Idris Elba, and I want to give some spoilers in this review, even if you haven't had a chance to check it out, because there's there's a reason I have to talk about this, I think. With spoilers, so just be prepared for that if you haven't watched the show yet. But in in case you haven't, this it's about a, basically a plane that was leaving Dubai, going to London, was hijacked. It's a seven-hour flight. Authorities on the ground have no idea what's going on, or do they? Dun dun dun. So or, so you have to try and figure out, you know, how this is all sorted out. And then you've got Idris Elba's character of Sam Nelson, and he's like a, a very you know big-time negotiator in the private sector, he's kind of brought in to, you know, to make deals, close deals and things like that. And he's on this flight. He's going back to see his family. Now, I should point out that things are very, very rocky between his wife, ex-wife, whatever you want to call her, his son, he, him and his son seem to still get along pretty well, but his, his wife, eh, not so much, but he just wants to get home. And he says this several times, first couple of episodes, I just want to get home to see my family. So you you sort of see when it all goes down and you could tell he's very observant. That's one thing I love about this character is you could tell he's always analyzing. He's always watching. He's always looking for the angle. He's always trying to figure out exactly what's going on in any situation. You could tell he's got good instincts as well. So you sort of start to see this, this thing sort of unravel over the first couple of episodes, not just, you know, how the wheels get set in motion, For this happening in the first place, but you know, as it's kind of playing out in front of you in this first couple of episodes. But what's interesting is, is that they're holding out on the why. Usually, you know, in these kind of, you know, people take over a plane sort of situations, you sort of get the why right away. And we don't really have the why yet. You might have some theories. You might have some things that you think, oh, it could be X, Y and Z. But we don't actually get the why yet. It almost seems like the why doesn't seem important right now, which is which is weird. I think probably for me anyway, because I'm so caught up in, you know, what is in Sam's head? Because I'll be honest, I'm watching that first episode and this is the biggest spoiler I'm going to give you if you haven't watched this yet. So Skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear this. But when you hear Sam at the end of the first episode say, hey, I'm going to cut a deal with you. I just want to get home. So instead of trying to fight you off and take you over, I'm going to help you. And you're like, what the hell? Like, I think I said at the at the time when I was watching, I was like, what the hell are you doing? What? Like, no, no, Idris Elba cannot be this guy. I'm sorry. He just can't. He can't be the traitor. He can't be the bad guy. He can't be this, you know, this, this low brow. You think he's going to be here and you snatch the rug out from under us like that. Can't be that guy. I won't accept it. And then you sort of see in the second episode, like maybe there's more to what he's doing. You know, maybe this is the like a negotiation tactic of, you know, let's make somebody think that we're on their side. And then once the timing is right, you know, you kind of reveal that that wasn't the case all along and boom, now you've kind of got what you want sort of thing. And he, he did sneak out a couple of messages saying, ah, something's wrong. And then you see how that kind of plays out throughout this first co- these first couple of episodes of, well, you know, do they believe or, or do they not believe that something's actually going on with this plane? And there's some tense moments in there as well. And y- you get to see how the system kind of gets manipulated a little bit and the captain of this plane who, I mean... It's kind of like a, and when you, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about? What, like, what would you do in that situation, right? Where it's like, don't open the door, but if you don't, something really bad's going to happen. So do you let them take over the plane or do you not sort of thing? And this was a plane full of passengers, by the way, a very big, big plane. So, you know, it's almost like, you know, what do you do? In that situation, the captain has plenty of reasons for doing why he did, why he did what he did. And, you know, again, some very tense moments in there as well. But th- th- there's a lot of things in here that'll make you question, like, what would you do in that situation? Not that you ever want to be in that situation. And it's interesting because I th- I feel like I've formed opinions about, like, random passengers on the plane, too. Like, oh, well, well, she's clearly a bitch. And, you know, oh, this this person might be helpful. Or, you know, I'm keeping my eye on this person because they might be more important than I think they are sort of thing. So I've started to do that as well. And it's brilliant writing because it's these little subtle things that happen with the characters that are outside of our main characters. These really subtle things that make you wonder if it's something or not. And that is is the mark of brilliant writing right there. And you sort of get to see when the when the air traffic control in london gets involved in the second episode here and we sort of start to see maybe some cracks in the armor of this of this plan of taking over this plane sort of thing that that's that's another part of it that's going to be really interesting through the rest of the season as well so i don't know that this show blew me away but i will say that there's there were a lot of intriguing things about this that made me think and definitely Make me want to keep watching. I also love Idris Elba, so I'm going to watch pretty much anything he's in anyway. But you sort of... There's a couple things that I need need answers about. Not much I will say. But just, you know, the how and the why. are one of the reasons that I'm definitely going to keep watching. And there's some other really good characters in this that I hope we see more of as well. But yeah, Hijack every Wednesday on Apple TV+. Plus. Calling me intrigued because... This is a seven hour flight that I think over the course of seven episodes, we're going to learn a lot more about. That's going to do it for my spoiler-ish review of Hijack. That is from Apple TV+. Up next, we're going to keep things rolling and going to talk about season four of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, the final season streaming on Prime Video, and I'll get into that next. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: Hi, this is Peter J. Tomasi, writer for House of Penance, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: Back to save the world one last time. The first couple of episodes of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan now streaming on Prime Video, and I'm going to do this spoiler-free because, again, the episodes just dropped to get a chance to watch some of them a bit early, and you are just thrown right into the fire in this thing because you've got Jack, who's now the acting deputy director of the FBI anyway, and Elizabeth Wright, who is who is the director of the FBI of the CIA, excuse me, and what they're doing is they're trying to find their way to, to lead the CIA in a new direction. The problem is is that you know something happens in a foreign world and and was the CIA involved there were or was, were they not involved? And that kind of muddies up the confirmation process. So you see Jack and and Wright kind of fighting off on that front and now they're trying to figure out, what's going on there, and it ends up uncovering something that's much bigger than all of that. And you sort of get to see the inner workings of this, and they've revealed some of this in the trailer as well, that we're talking about the possible merger of a terrorist organization and a cartel, and that would just be catastrophic for a number of reasons. But what we're also trying to find out is how this is maybe tied to Thomas Miller, who of course is the ousted member of the CIA and they're going through his files and trying to figure out, you know, how he might've been involved in this or not involved in this and what he knows about a certain, let's just say, operation, covert operation in the CIA maybe. So there's a lot of moving parts here as there always is for a Jack Ryan series, especially this show. So I can't reveal too much about that without spoiling anything. So I can't really dig into that too deep, but I will say if you've already loved Jack Ryan In the first three seasons, this fourth season, exactly what you want, exactly what you would expect. So I'll just tell you that much right now. And you'll see a familiar face come back. Abby Cornish's Kathy Muller is back in this thing. And she does have a presence in this season. This isn't like a cameo type thing. So just having her back in Jack's life is really interesting. But she also plays... Another little bit of a, a, a part in this, I could say, especially in, in the early episodes. So, you know, don't don't just dismiss this as just her coming back as support for Jack. That's part of it. But there's there's a little bit more going on there than you might think. And just, you know, the classic relationship between Jack and and, and Greer, who's played by Wendell, Wendell Pierce. And then you've got Mike November, who comes back into the mix in the second episode, played by Mike Kelly. Just that group alone, I'm all here for. But watching Wright and Jack work together now more so this season than they did last season was really cool for me and, and kind of see them be on the same page and her kind of understanding that he's not like, he's not going to go absolutely do things by the book. He's going to veer off course a couple of different, a couple of different directions. So you just got to be ready for that. But I got to say, Michael Pena's character of Domingo Chavez, I, you know, we love when Michael Pena is, is fun and... And funny and stuff this is a completely different Michael Pena than you 're probably used to seeing. I mean I know he 's done other dramatic stuff, but his character is one that I latched onto to right away, especially in this second episode do you they really open up the playbook on this character in the second episode you You learn about him in the first episode, and you see him get into some stuff, but the second episode's where we, where we really start to get into who he is. And things like that. Once you dig a little bit deeper into that, man, it is so good. I think his story arc is going to be so amazing this season. So that's another character I'd watch out for. And then you've got Louis Ozawa's character of of Chow, and of course you see him as the villain, right? And then you kind of find out. And I know that I kind of hate the you know give the villain a purpose sort of thing. And is the villain really a villain? Blah blah blah. There's more to Chow than just simply being a villain or just simply being a part of some clandestine operation or whatever there's a there's another level to him and you do kind of start to sympathize with him a little bit for certain reasons which you'll see when you start watching the show but like he louis Azawa takes this to another level he really really does and if and if you're going to look there's plenty of other villains to hate in this in this series early on, trust me. So it's not like you'll have to you'll have to sympathize with a villain the whole time. No, 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 no. There's going to be plenty of people to hate as you go. So don't don't worry about that. But that particular character, you you sort of wonder what his arc's going to be once you get further down the line in the season. Because it's like okay, yeah, he's a bad guy, but sort of thing. So I'm curious to see. Where he go, well, I know a little bit of where he goes, but I can't again, I can't talk about it because the you know I don't wanna reveal spoilers or anything, but again, the heart and soul of this series and the characters that you loved already it's all there don't 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 go into this thinking you know, wondering, you know, what it's going to be like and, you know, oh, is it going to be the same? Is this final season going to wrap up the way I want it to? I can't tell you that, but what I can tell you is, is that the reason you fell in love with the show in the first place for, for characters like John Krasinski's Jack Ryan and going all the way back to season one, you're going to love all that all automatically in this fourth season. And, and then the big question is, well, how does it all end? Who survives? And what does the future hold sort of thing? Now we know this is the final season, so we know what the future holds, but you know, for the, for Jack and, and these characters, how do things sort of wrap up in this particular iteration for them? I'm excited for the ride this season. So sad that it's all coming to an end, but at the same time, I am all in for season four of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Every Friday, that's when you're going to get episodes on Prime Video, the first two streaming right now. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan Season 4 premiere. Up next, there's some big nerd news to talk about. A lot of Superman, a lot of DC, and I'm going to dig into it next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is comic
1: book writer Tom King, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: Has hope finally come to DC Studios? It's time for nerd news. And you thought this information was going to wait until Comic-Con. Well, apparently not. We now know who the lead cast members will be for Superman Legacy, and that is one of them is not really a surprise. The other one, I think, is a little bit of a surprise. So I want to start with Superman and David Corniswett, who's going to be playing Clark Kent, of course, Superman. And then you've got Rachel Brosnahan, who is a name you definitely know, who's going to be playing Lois Lane. Now, for Brosnahan's part, you've seen her on House of Cards. You've seen her in The Marvelous Miss Maisel. You know her. You love her. I think that this is a really good choice. She brings, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the edge that Lois Lane needs, but also, you know, a little bit of snarkiness and, and sarcasm, and, and, you know, just, you know, just a really good personality that I think she's going to bring to this role. So I'm, a, I'm excited, and she was kind of my top pick for Lois Lane, anyway. So I'm glad they're able to get her. But for as far as David Cornishwitz is concerned, you might not be familiar with him, probably because he's never really led a big-time studio movie before. So this is a first for him. So when I said they would probably go with an unknown, he's not necessarily an unknown. I mean, you've seen him in in, in series like The Politician. You saw him in We Own the City from, from HBO. You've seen him in some A24 and Netflix stuff, but you've never really probably seen him in anything massive. Now, does he look the part? Absolutely. He actually said in an interview, and I can't remember who it was with, and this was actually first reported by the Hollywood Reporter, by the way. I wanted to make sure I got that out there. He said in an interview with somebody on a red carpet a couple of years ago, and excuse me for not crediting the source here because I can't remember who it was with, but he said that he would lo- he, you know, he loved Henry Cavill's portrayal of Superman, and he's like, you know, I hope that with whoever plays him next, you know, we kind of bring more hope to the role. And, and make things a little bit different. And so he loves Superman already. He already has the right idea, it seems like, in his head of how he wants this to go. So, and James Gunn, of course, confirmed this news on social media, saying it was true that they're very excited, blah, blah, blah. And I, I trust James Gunn's judgment on this. I really, really do because he's just got a knack for casting. And you saw that in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, you saw that on full display as well in his Suicide Squad movie whether you like it or not he casted the roles well he really really did and he brought something fun and different to the table so if he's go if so if anybody's going to be able to turn this around writing wise it's James Gunn and Peter Safran I I I fully and if they can't do it I'm not sure it can be done because Superman's been a tough thing to recreate on screen since Christopher Reeve. But again, there's a lot of revisionist history here when it comes to Henry Cavill. And I know Henry Cavill fans are upset. And, and Snyder, bros, you got to calm down, okay? It's not happening. I don't know how many times I've got to say this. It, and this is why they should have never released Zack Snyder's Justice League in the first place. And I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. But this, is why, this is why you stick to your guns and don't release something. Because now Snyder first fans will never let go. They will never let go. They will never stop Trying to think that this can be recreated, revived, whatever. They're not gonna there's gonna be a small contingent that are not gonna support this movie and not support James Gunn's future just because they want the Snyderverse back. And, you know, open your mind to the fact that this might actually be better. Now it could be worse. It could be the same. Who knows? But you gotta open your mind to the fact that this might be better. And if you're willing to just close up and not consider that at all. And then, you know, that's kind of on you because I'm I'm really hoping that this is the dawning of a new age for DC. I mean, even in the comics, they're doing Dawn of DC right now and kind of, you know, trying to to recreate the magic as it were. Although I thought they did that in Rebirth and they should have held on to that a little bit longer. But That's another conversation for another day. So it, it seems like there's a lot of newness that's coming to DC right now. And I think that that's a good thing. And my hopes are high for this movie. Hopefully we do learn a little bit more at Comic-Con. I'm not sure how much we'll see. Of course, you know this writer strike going on, impossible. Screen Actors Guild strike. I mean, as of the as of me recording this, there's no strike that's happened, but the deadline is June 30th. That might be extended. So, that again might be a conversation for another day and and I will talk about Comic-Con here in a second because DC is going to be going back to Comic-Con. They are back on the show floor. With a big booth and hopefully a big, big presence as well. They announced a bunch of comics panels and things like that. They've also got, you know, Jim Lee and friends are going to be back. There's going to be a presence for Warner Brothers Animation. They're going to do the world premiere of Justice League War World. The animated movie is going to be happening there. So there, there there's plenty coming. There is plenty coming from DC at Comic-Con this year. And that's really smart. On their part. Now, Warner Brothers as a whole, we don't know what they're going to do yet. Again, as of me recording this, not sure exactly what they're going to do. But just having DC back on the show floor in a year where not everybody's going, and I'll get into the who's going, who's not thing as of right now here in a second. But when you got a chance to grab the attention when there's not a lot going on around you, That's really, really smart. So bringing your heavy hitters from the comics, like the Joshua Williamson's, like the Tom King's, like the Tom Taylor's, Mitch Garrett, Ram V, people like that, bringing in your heavy hitters to something like this and showcase and being able to showcase your comics. And and Marvel's going to do that too. Marvel will have a comics presence and a booth presence, but DC being back on the floor and offering exclusives from DC shop and from McFarlane toys, they're going to be there and is going to be there and they're going to offer exclusive comic variants there as well. It feels like DC's back and they knew that we missed them on the show floor last year. So, you never know what you got till it's gone and then now when it comes back, I think that this is really going to be just a, a big like DC presence. And I don't know if the booth is going to be as huge as it has been in the past. But I will tell you that the panels that they have planned, which are mostly comic-based, except for the Justice League War World premiere, which is going to be on Friday night if you're actually going to Comic-Con, which is interesting because it's later than usual. It's going to be at 9 p.m., which is later than they would usually do it. But I digress. There's a lot of panels to to, to look forward to. They're going to be doing the signings and just the kind of usual stuff. And even some off-site stuff as well, which they haven't really announced yet. But I'm going to be interesting to see what that is. But having DC back on the show floor is good, especially since we know that Marvel Studios is out. We know that Netflix is out. We know that Sony Pictures is out. Universal Pictures is out. As of right now, there's going to be no Lucasfilm stuff, no HBO. And it's just, again, when you don't have that presence there, I mean, even like Paramount Plus is not bring in anything Either we still don't know what Apple TV Plus is going to do. We don't know, you know, again what Warner Brothers at Large is going to do or what NBC and Peacock are going to do. I think there's going to be, you know, a scattered presence by some of those there, but I mean, you've got you know, obviously Max is going to be is going to be in cuz they've got a lot going on coming up. And and some of these other places just kind of didn't attend because they don't have anything, you know, immediate that needs promoting, especially all those Sony pictures to me was an interesting one because you finally released your Craven trailer. You know, you got Gran Turismo coming out. You could be teasing Ghostbusters Afterlife 2, maybe some, you know, Beyond the Spider-Verse stuff. You know, it seemed like there was a strike while the iron's hot thing that they could have done. But I mean, and like Paramount Pictures, for example, they've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem coming out. So they're in, they're going to be doing something for that. Even Prime Video's in to a certain extent. I don't know if they're going to be all in, but they're certainly in right now. So it's, again, Funko's going to have their presence. You know, whether you're a Funko fan or not, one of the big pieces on the show floor is always Funko. They're going to have like a blockbuster themed booth this year, which I think is kind of neat. So you know that there's going to be certain booths that are always a presence on the floor. DC was one of those. It was noticeably absent last year. So this is a chance, again, to make a big splash when some of your direct competitors aren't looking to make the same splash this year. And what the future holds for Comic-Con in general, I don't know. I guess I'll find out when I get there this year. And we'll find out how much the strike kind of impacts any of this. Or if there is a Screen Actors Guild strike, that would certainly impact things. A little bit more but it, it, this this again remains to be seen and I'll probably update the story maybe next week depending on how things shake out with the sag strike and I'll t- I'll talk about potential impacts from that and whether that you know could be a good thing or a bad thing I'll get into that next week or you know if and when it happens so we'll move on from Co- comic-con for now but I'm excited to see DC back I'm gonna be spending a lot of time at that booth I'm sure there was more DC news and this one kind of flew under the radar a little bit so I wanted to make sure I got this out in front of you there is a Flash scripted podcast series that's going to be coming out on July the 10th. Next week is when this thing is going to be coming out, or a little bit over a week from the release of my show here. So it's going to be called The Flash Escape the Midnight Circus. Now, apparently this is supposed to be some sort of a tie-in to The Flash movie, but then you look at the synopsis and you and you hear the trailer. And Max Greenfield, by the way, is going to be the voice of The Flash, Barry Allen, yes, that Max Greenfield from New Girl Schmidt is going to be playing the Flash, and I'm all about that. I am so, Max. I love Max Greenfield. He actually fits the personality of Barry Allen really, really well. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to this thing. But you look at the description for this podcast, the synopsis, and it's basically you know the Flash is, is Central City's hero, He's at the height of his powers, but He's letting Iris down, so Iris kind of decides to call it quits on him. So of course Barry's going to try and just use the Speed Force to back to go back in time and make it right. Problem is, is the yeah, yeah he screws it up. He ends up in another dimension, stuck with Captain Cold, and now Central City's turned into this place where there's this you know televised you know gladiator tournament called the Midnight Circus that's going to pit humans and superheroes and rogues kind of against each other. It's a life or death sort of game, and if you survive. You can get your freedom sort of thing. So, and by the way, he doesn't have his powers in this either. So, you know, it's just Barry Allen in his mind against who knows what. And somehow Iris is still going to tie back into this in both dimensions. So if you listening to, tra- to the trailer for this, it sounds really neat. I love the idea of this. I really hope it's going to be six episodes, by the way. It's going to premiere on Monday, July the 10th. And it's going to be exclusive on Apple Podcasts at first. Then it's going to branch out into other services after that. And you're thinking, well, I don't have Apple. I don't have, you know, I've got an Android. What am I going to do? You know, you can listen to Apple podcasts online, right? If you don't have Apple podcasts, you can go on the web and listen to it. You could do that with this show. You can listen to this show on Apple podcasts without having an Apple device. So I just want to point that out. And if you need a link, I'll send you one to the the podcast because I've got the link and saved to my favorites already. If you want the link, I'll send it to you. Just reach out to me and let me know. So I will say that having Max Greenfield as Barry Allen is a great choice. I love the fact that we're branching out with these scripted podcasts. It's only going to be six episodes, by the way. And the episodes, none of them are longer than 20 minutes. So it'll be a nice quick listen whatever you're doing. And I don't know if that's going to wrap up the story or not. They haven't talked about whether or not this is going to be an ongoing thing or if it's like a limited series or whatnot. But I'm excited for this. I think that I'd love to see more scripted podcasts like this. I know that we've gotten a couple. We got a Batman. We got a Harley Quinn one not too long ago. We've gotten Batman Adventures before. This is the first time it seems like they're stepping outside of the Batman world. Although Realm has, you know, the Wonder Woman scripted podcast on the Realm Network, which you could check out, by the way, since we're a proud Realm Network member. You could check out a couple of different DC shows and Marvel shows, too, on the Realm Network especially on the Realm map. So you can do that if you like. But again, the Flash and stepping outside of the world of Batman, I think is, a, is only a good thing. So this is one I'm definitely going to listen to. And if this one succeeds, I mean, the sky's the limit for what DC is going to be doing in the podcast world, which I hope we definitely get more of. There was a little bit of an update on the Tomb Raider Prime Video series from Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who, of course, is doing press right now for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny which is in theaters right now so she was talking to Vanity Fair and she kind of asked about you know her you know the upcoming Tomb Raider project for prime Video which is going to be a series and you know what what can we expect and she's always talked about how much she loved the Laura Croft character and, the, the, and having her attached to this project kind of made me say okay now we're finally gonna get a good, a good portrayal and 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 we're gonna get a good Tomb Raider story. And I love the, I love what part of what she said. When, and this is one of the quotes from the interview. She said she had an attitude. She was very deliberate in what she wanted to do. That all changed when they realized that they could market her to be a sex symbol. Now, again, that is a good point that she's making. I don't think we got that in the recent Tomb Raider games that PlayStation put out, though. I think they kind of put that on the bet. Ba- now, was she still a bit of a sex symbol? Absolutely. There's no question about that. But it seemed like she was more the explorer, the tomb raider as, as, as Phoebe Waller-Bridge puts it. You know, she's the tomb raider. She's incre- And so she's incredibly fit. So she puts it that way too. So what we're doing is she wants to go back to the roots of the character. But she, it's funny that she also kind of said, you know, squeeze, squeezing through a small rock crevice when you have large boobs rather than having small boobs, you know, there's a difference there. And that's a, that's a kind of, I'm paraphrasing to what she said, but I thought that that was kind of a funny way to put it. And, you know, will that impact the casting? I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. But but I, again, this is something that when I first heard about this series happening, and I'm pretty sure I talked about that on a past episode of the podcast. But as somebody who was a fan of the, uh, of course, of the Tomb Raider games from when I was younger, I certainly played the first couple of Tomb Raider games for sure. And then the, the Angelina Jolie movies, I was a fan of those. The first one's definitely better than the second one. I even loved the last movie. That they did, and it was kind of bummed that that one didn't kind of go forward with Alicia Vikander. I thought she did a great job as Laura Croft. The story was, you know, okay. It wasn't as good as it could have been, but I still thought that there was a solid future to build on there. But now that we're getting this in a series form, which again, I tend to lean more series more rather than feature anyway, because I want that story to to, to be told over time. I don't I don't want it to feel like it has to be rushed. So, because even if you get six episodes of an hour-long series. That's, you know, six, you know obviously less than six hours because when I say an hour, it usually ends up being like 50 minutes or something like that. So, um, you know, six hours-ish of a story to me is better told over the span of six episodes than it is in a two-hour movie that may have to be condensed. I mean, that's why most movies are ending up being two and a half, three hours now, because they're like, well, you know, we don't want to cut this part of the story off. We want to be able to do this. We want to be able to do that. It's like you want to have a series, but make it a movie. And that doesn't make any sense. I hate the fact that movies, most of them now are way too long for almost no reason whatsoever drives me crazy. But again, a different rant for a different day. So When we're going to get this, I don't know, because the writer's strike obviously impacting a lot of things right now from either getting off the ground or being able able to continue. Although that's not stopping Mortal Kombat from filming and some other movies and shows that are still filming right now through the strike. Again, those are written. I get it. But rewrites, you got to be careful. You know, there's a cautionary tale here and you got to be really, really careful, heroes. So I don't know when we're going to get this or how long it's going to be. Take your time and get it right is the, is all that I really care about. I'd rather get this. I'd love to get the to get this sooner rather than later. I don't know that we get this in twenty twenty four, but at least if it starts filming in twenty twenty four, I'll be happy about that. And hopefully, I mean, let's just, let's get the strike stuff over with. You know, let's get a deal. You know, the 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 American Pictures Association and I, there's a longer name than than that, but you understand what I'm talking about. Let's let's pay the writers what they're supposed to get paid, huh? And let's get this. Let's make sure this, this Screen Actors Guild strike doesn't happen at all. Can we get back to business here? I mean, the, it's it, we've we fought long enough. It's time, okay? It's time to just put this aside and let's just get a deal in. You know, let let's let everybody walk away happy. You know, let's let's negotiate in good faith. Let's just get this done because nobody wants an AI heavy future, and people deserve to get paid what they're worth. Let's just put it that way. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast. Got some great interviews coming up for you in the next couple of weeks. Be looking for that in next week's show and the show after that, and then it'll be Comic Con before you know it. So make sure you're subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Some really exciting stuff coming. I don't want you to miss out on any of it. And I tell your friends about it too. Really appreciate you sharing the show whenever you can. And this is definitely the time to follow on social media at Down and Nerdy seven five seven. On Twitter and Instagram, and at Down and Nerdy on Facebook, and at Down and Nerdy Pod on TikTok, because there's going to be some stuff that goes on there that you're only going to see there, right? You you can go to downandnerdypodcast.com as well. That's where you can find all the links to stuff. Make sure you're following at Mission Collect as well on social media. That's the Collectible Show that I'm doing on YouTube and on TikTok as well and on Instagram, because I'm telling you right now, there's going to be some big stuff coming there. As well, especially if you love collectibles, if you love action figures and statues and stuff like that, that's something you want to get on board with now, because Comic-Con, there's going to be a lot of that kind of coverage going on, and I cannot wait to bring it to you. Remember, though, you never have to apologize for being a nerd and let your fan flag fly. be good to your fellow nerds.